Hey, friends, technology addiction hits people of all ages. Even if you're in your 40s, 50s, or 60s, do you find yourself having to check your email first thing in the morning or last thing right before bed? Do you check your email in the middle of the night? We have a guest here who's going to help us try to figure out if we are addicted or not right after the news on The Matt Townsend Show. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. After a weekend of negotiations, congressional leaders from both sides are feeling confident about a deal to avoid the fiscal cliff. The $600 billion in tax breaks and budget cuts that is set to begin at the start of next year is a legacy from previously failed budget talks that could easily stomp out the still meager economic recovery. Despite all the talk of compromise to avoid this problem, both Republicans and Democrats are still trying to keep election promises to the public. Republicans who promised not to raise tax rates are now trying to find ways to close loopholes instead instead in order to generate the increased revenues that Democrats in demand. Congressional Republicans are calling on the U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, Susan Rice, to testify about her remarks regarding the attack on the U.S. Embassy in Benghazi, Libya. Rice is seen by many as a top candidate to take on the Secretary of State position after Hillary Clinton leaves, but top Republicans are vowing to block her because of her role in the administration's response to the attack which killed four Americans. Rice is under fire because she furthered the narrative that the attack was sparked by a spontaneous protest against an anti-Islamic film five days after it took place. Further investigation has shown that the attack was a premeditated assault, which has Republicans demanding an explanation. Israeli warplanes bombed dozens of military targets in Gaza today as fighting continues to escalate in the region. Top officials say that Israel has ground troops ready to mount an all-out assault in order to stop further Palestinian rocket fire from Gaza, but they say a diplomatic solution would be better. Egyptian authorities are acting as the mediator between the longtime rivals, and they say a truce could be near, but both sides are still blaming each other for starting this new conflict. Israeli attacks have now accounted for 101 deaths in the Gaza region. Palestinian forces have continued to launch rockets into Israel, launching over 110 today alone, though no casualties have been reported due to the continued barrage. Opposition leaders in Syria have won a major victory, but this was not a battle against the violently resilient Assad regime. After banding together under a single umbrella body last week, the National Coalition of Resistance Against the Assad Regime has earned the recognition of the European Union as legitimate representatives of the aspirations of the Syrian people. EU leaders also say they are now prepared to help the Syrian opposition gain recognition and support from the international community, which could mean all the difference in in the continuing battle to depose the current leader. You are listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Oh, Matt Townsend here. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. My brain's not working as we're starting the week. I haven't had anybody, what's it called, crank me up. Wind me up. I need to be wound up. 
I just spent uh, the weekend talking to a 97-year-old man who told me about how he has to crank his um, tractor every morning. And then we realized that he doesn't have a tractor. (laughs) Oh. So anyway, now I'm apparently needing to crank my brain. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show, everybody. This is the show where we try to give you the tools, the ideas to help you get a leg up in this crazy thing we call life. And on the show today, boy, have we got a topic for you. Is there any way you could possibly be addicted to the Internet or to technology? Can you get through life without your technology? Is the first thing you reach for in your life every morning in bed, is it your Palm Pilot? Is that what it's called? iPhone. Mine used to be a Palm Pilot. (laughs) I remember those. Do you remember those? 15 years ago. (laughs) Uh, You reach for your iPhone. I actually... I love my iPhone now because it's everything for me. It's my alarm. It's my music. It's my um, calendar. It's everything. Everything. It even, if you set it on vibrate mode, you can rub your and massage your neck and get rid of any kinks you might have. You know, I I get thinking about uh, people who have email compulsions and have to uh, keep uh, checking their alarm and keep pulling your phone out to check things. And I, I just had this visual image of people who 25 years ago would have had the same compulsion. So they've run down the uh, driveway and look and open the mailbox <laughs> and look inside and they go back in the house. See, they would have lost weight. 30 seconds later, they run back down the driveway and open the mailbox. And Isn't that amazing? Now you just check your phone. Check your phone. Check your phone. It's really cool if you, wanna, if you really want to think you're popular. You just put yourself on every list. Then all of a sudden, you'll constantly have email. I've been taking myself off of every list. I literally am tr- I'm trying to get down to about 10 emails a day. Kind of do an email detox. Mm-hmm. My doctor says I have to or I'll die. I believe it. I, there's nothing that induces anxiety quite like not paying attention to my phone for a few minutes and then looking down and it says 15 emails. <sighs> oh, great. See, that drives me crazy. That makes my heart rate go up. And then usually I get and I go down the list and I only need like 10 of them. It's kind of fun going through and pruning all your Facebook friends down to about a 150. And yes. then I thought, oh, I'm lonely. So I moved to, I a new, no friends. moved to a new neighborhood, a new church congregation. I've added probably another 100 of them back in. See, so. but now you've got friends but again. Does yeah. it add stress? Yeah, I don't know. We're going to talk to a pro today. Because as I look at you guys, you're just a bunch of stress cases. You think a holiday's coming up, and you think we're going to take it off, but we're not. We're not? We're coming back. We're here all week. No! Yes. Yes. BT. That was beautiful. Boy, look at Sky Boy. Sky, I've never seen more energy out of you ever. Like, you just, that's the fastest you have ever moved. (laughs) Is it because you're excited to keep working, or is it? I'm really excited to just be here all break. Really? Yeah. It's because you have nowhere to go, do you? Uh, I don't. No, I sad. do. But That's sad. I'd rather be here. Would you? Yeah. Are you going somewhere? Where are you going? Uh, North Salt Lake to my Ooh, aunt yeah. and uncle's house. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, okay. Will you be here Thursday? <laughs> we'll talk then. Okay. Maybe I actually won't, but. You going to be here, <clears throat> BT? I will not. <laughs> You're leaving on a jet plane tomorrow morning. I am. Three of them, actually. Three you, of them. Wow, three just to get to Houston. Uh, Dallas. Or Dallas. Or Dallas. Oh, you're not going I, to if Houston. I end up in Houston, I'd be pretty ticked. It would only take you two I've already lived there. 
I've you're, gonna, <laughs> you're doing three planes just to get there. Like, what is this? Like the thirty dollar ticket? Uh, about. Are you standing the whole time? About. I'd actually. That'd be fantastic, right? Is it that Ryan Air? <laughs> it's. It's really just a helicopter the whole way. It's. <laughs> The worst idea I've ever had. Well, but you know what? At least you'll be there by, what, Thanksgiving? <laughs> by Thanksgiving. If you leave by tomorrow. If I can be... hit Thursday morning, it's a good week. Where are your stops, by the way? Uh, Phoenix, and then I have one more. Yeah, I think it's um, I don't know where. I Oklahoma avoid Col- City. Oklahoma City? I I've actually it. done that. You have? A three-legger. Well, the way the hubs work, it's probably Salt Lake City to Phoenix, Phoenix to San Francisco, San Francisco <laughs> yeah, to Denver. It is. It's something like that. As long as long as I don't have to stop in Denver or Albuquerque, I'm really happy. It might be Denver. Hey, Denver's my home airport. It's, it's a good airport. It's a great it's, airport. It's nothing. It's the airport. It's that every time I fly, Mother Nature's like, "Hey, you know yeah. what? Denver needs right now let's a blizzard. It, let's give it a blizzard. Hey, or Den- you, it's better than Chicago, where you get constant wind. Yeah. Well, and- Den- Denver Airport. I mean, to its credit, I think broke the world record for the world's largest circus tent. Oh yeah, for sure. It's it's pretty cool. It was also wasn't it the airport built in the middle of nowhere? Don't you have to, like, drive 30 minutes to get to the airport? See, that's the weird thing is growing up in that area, whenever I went to the airport, I was used to it being in the middle of nowhere. So oh. for me, it was weird to go into any other airport where it was in the middle of a city. Yes. So then everyone's like, why are we driving or <laughs> flying in the middle of nowhere? It, it's normal for me. It totally It makes is. sense. You don't hit any buildings on your I way down. I remember that. Yes. See, airports bring back good memories. It right. could be at no. the airport in Boston where as you come in no. for a landing, you look out the window of water. Water, water, yeah. Wa- oh, runway, <laughs> runway. <laughs> just, just We're keep dying. me on your toes. We're going down. We're going down. You're screaming. Okay, so we like in this section to get into the news, the headlines, the stories, any news that's out there that's uniquely human. BT. I'm going to be oddly serious oh, for yeah. the news segment for the first time. For the first time, I don't know about first. Are you going to rant? Practically, uh, let's eh. not. I'll, I'll. It might be too early down. for a rant. Don't worry, I've always got one later. <laughs> but uh, so things are things are getting intense um, between Israel and I've heard and that Hamas. It's it's unfortunate. I don't like it. Yes. Okay. I wish we could all just hang out and can't tell we jokes. all just get along? Right. Whatever. All right. If people are just going to be mean, but here's the good news. Here's yes. the good news in in all of this. Uh, have you heard of? The Iron Dome missile defense system is—is is that like Iron Maiden? Um, no, but I would love to see if that would work. I think it might. That would be. It's a very yeah. It's really heavy, heavy metal. <laughs> heavy is stuff. It, what what makes me scratch my head is they talked about Iron Dome in the news over the weekend, as if it's something I should have known about all along. And, and it sounds pretty cool, yeah. but honestly, no, you guys I, haven't heard of it. Completely new to me. So the Iron Dome is uh, that's Notre Dame. Yeah, and uh, it's the it's the dome that's on top of at the University of Notre Dame. No, is that not it? No. Is there something else? No, it's actually just pretty simple. It's a radar system and a missile battery that will pick out the rockets that are huge. Yeah. It's it's Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> It well, is, it's what we wanted Star Wars a, to be. So they can shoot Reagan. down, and you hear all the stories yeah. that, you know, from Gaza, they'll shoot a missile from Gaza, and this Iron Dome will bring it down. Yeah. It's, it's the, the fighting, the mess, it's, it's terrible. But the good news is that this Iron Dome missile defense system yeah. has been very effective. In fact... Uh, the Israeli guys who are using it, a lot of the... It's working. They're, they're very surprised. They're very pleased. It's 
They like kept, it. You know, the Palestinians hate it. I'm sure they're annoyed <laughs> by it. It's making their job a lot harder. Isn't it funny? By the way, that Iron Dome, I think the United States had helped to build that with our technology. And I think we even threw some money at it. But I didn't even know the technology existed, let alone that it was a, is, s- a working system. Isn't it amazing? So we're having trouble uh, getting the garbage out of New York City, but we can keep missiles out of Israel. Right. Isn't that cool? That's good. Technology at our hands. I got a better story that may be the greatest news we've heard in a week. What's that? Maybe not better than the Iron Dome saving lives. But apparently um, Hostess may not go into bankruptcy. Really? There's a one – they didn't give an odd, but I'm, there's, a, there's a slight chance. The, the judge today, the bankruptcy judge, Robert Drain, said instead of sending it right to bankruptcy, he wants to have a, uh, a mediation and see if they can't get the uh, – all of the um, – what are they called? Unions together with the company and see if we can't get this thing working again. Various stakeholders. Get the various stakeholders together. Remember, they were blaming certain unions that had pulled this down and and had made it impossible for them to get back to work. Teamsters took the deal. Bakers did not. The bakers were mad. And so now they're going to get a butcher, a baker, and a candlestick maker, and they're going to put them in a room to mediate. And if they can mediate it, then the Twinkies will live Again, but the Twinkie's going to live on anyway because liquidation. Somebody else is going to buy the Twinkie brand. Have you ever had a liquefied Twinkie? Mm. It's not the same. Is that like a Twinkie milkshake? No, Twink- but seriously, Gosh. there's a company down. Uh, <clears throat> Someone would buy it. Mexico. You ever you walk in the store and you see the boxes that look just like Hostess, but they say Bimbo and instead of yes. the Twinkie guy, it's got like this little fat baker looking guy. Well, yeah. They're, they're a huge company, Grupo Bimbo, down in Mexico. Is they do, want they're it. doing great. Uh, I think the guy who runs it's a billionaire. Um, yeah, they. I, I could see them lining up to buy the Twinkie I brand. I know, but right now let's just keep it an American hostess Twinkie. Oh, I bet there's all kinds of wonderful things like lard and stuff that they could put in it. If it's made in Mexico, Ooh, I bet it could inject be really flavor tasty. back in them. <clears throat> different strokes for different folks. And the little, the best, seriously, though, you got to just believe it. The donuts, the crumb donuts that are, what are they called? The That um, is a real tragedy, those crumb donuts, if they were, mm. somebody didn't buy the rights to that. I think we probably ought to be testing some of those right now, just in case. We ought to be passing some of those around. For news purposes. We're only doing it because we care. So we we'll do it for science. Objective right. in our reporting. You know, the, the, what's sad is that we can sit down and we all know the details about why it's going to liquidation. We know about the pensions. We know about the Teamsters. We know about the Bakers Union. We know about this mediation thing. Yet, I couldn't tell you step one as to why they're having to use Israel, the Israeli – dome thing and why the you can't yeah well we'll have my daughter come be on the air when she gets back but i but i think that's kind of sad that a major major world event i've got so much ignorance towards and yet a snack company that's going out of business oh i know everything Well, but if we get our priorities straight uh actually let's just do this let's just have sky right now explain to us why israel and palestine are fighting and warring and have been for years Oh boy, that's a that's a long answer, Matt. Mm-hmm. Let's hear it. Just get started. <laughs> Just get started on it. 
Once again, he was very quick on that. Yeah, I've never seen him <laughs> move so fast. <laughs> Proof that a little motivation goes Seriously. a long way. He's sitting here trying to take a nap. <laughs> I'm uh, not trying to take a nap. Yeah, you are. Um, honestly, I don't. I don't really keep what, up to date on. You know what you do what? when you don't know? You just say Madonna. Madonna's They're fighting over the Madonna. It's always Madonna. Well, okay, let's Lady let's, let's make this truly scientific. So that was the control. Let's do the experiment. <clears throat> Sky, how much do you know about the hostess thing? Um, I know that they almost went out of business, and now they might not. I'd say that's more than. Do you, okay, <laughs> than the you last happen one. to know how long a hostess Twinkie will last if you take it out of the wrapper? Eight. Eight what? Years. Yes. Did you also? How long can it act as a fuel source for your vehicle if you put it in? The, Bryce, you got this one. I don't know. I don't. Sorry. Then I, I don't know. know. I only know. What how many Bryce miles can you get? <laughs> I don't often Twinkie. put Twinkies you, in my gas tank. If you have electronic tank. fuel injection, I do not recommend using Twinkies as a fuel source. But oh. it, what if you're like in dire need? I don't. I no. No, <laughs> that's bad. It gums up the injectors. Don't. Bad for the fuel pump. You guys. Gums up or it cream cheeses. Oh. The both. injectors. Both good. That's not cheese. That's good. just cream. That's just pure manna from heaven. <laughs> okay. So uh, who else has got some news? Any other news? Because there's got to be some good news from this weekend. Come on. Christmas is not canceled. Yes. Yet. Google accidentally tried to cancel it. Can they cool. release their new uh, Android operating system for tablets and smartphones, uh, 4.2, which I think they call, what is that, Jelly Bean? Yes. It's like Google names all their operating systems after candy and snacks. <laughs> it's in alphabetical order. So they, you know, so J- cupcake and donut and eclair and froyo and gingerbread and I forget what they are. But we're, we're to uh, Jelly Bean now. Okay. But the problem is... There was some issue with the way the hardware and the calendar talked to each other, and the month of December was gone, oh, Christmas no. included. So Google canceled Christmas, but they were you can't very happy to announce today that they're going to fix it, and Christmas will be back on uh, next month as it, planned. It better be on because, quite honestly, um, my kids have got their headset on that one. <laughs> they were expecting it this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ungrateful. Yep. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't be offended if they canceled it, but my kids would be really ticked off. Hmm. I didn't know they had that much power. Cool. Google just tried to Grinch things. The Grinch that stole Google. Hmm. (laughs) Okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. When we come back, we're going to get into are you addicted to the Internet or technology in general? Can you use anything? I mean, is it just you have to have your technology to survive nowadays we're going to be talking to a pro and give us the ins and outs about whether or not you are addicted really this is important as we're coming up on the holidays should you be pushing more addictive things on your children like i don't know ipads we'll be back right here on the matt townsend show on sirius xm 143 byu radio Near-Earth asteroids are dangerous to our planet and orbital infrastructure, threatening to destroy satellites, or worse, us. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. In 1994, the Shoemaker-Levy 9 comet collided with Jupiter. Its impact sparked the emission of large plumes of fire, each several kilometers high, and the formation of hot bubbles of gas in the atmosphere. Could such an event happen to Earth? 
All signs point to yes. Shoemaker Levy 9 and the threat of near-Earth objects such as asteroids reminds us that protecting our planet is just as important as exploration. NASA's revolutionary Aerospace Systems Concepts Academic Linkages, or RASCAL for short, looks for ingenuity and innovation from the next generation of problem solvers by challenging them to share their innovative design concepts for human missions to near-Earth objects, like an asteroid. Through the annual RASCAL Forum, university students present their designs to their peers and a panel of judges comprised of NASA and industry experts. Realizing these missions will stretch the bounds of innovation, human health, and engineering, NASA sees direct connection to tapping the bright minds of undergraduate and graduate students. After all, protecting the planet from an asteroid collision could be one of the greatest feats of their generation. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. For regular updates on BYU radio programming, sports, and other behind-the-scenes news, follow BYU Radio on Twitter. Just search for BYU Radio, hit follow, and enjoy our tweets on news, live updates on shows, and much more. Talk about good. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about technology addiction. Uh, apparently, it is something that is starting to take hold. I, I think of all of us. Uh, literally, I can go to bed. I don't even need a TV anymore. I have Netflix on my iPad. And we've talked about this on the show before. I actually have fallen asleep with my iPad, which I don't know what it weighs, but when it hits me in the face because I'm holding it above my head, uh, it hurts pretty bad. So uh, the addiction is apparently getting to us. And uh, our our trusted producer here, Rob, Rob has put together a little tally. Yeah. So I wondered how many, you know, at work, you, you, you do your email, you have work-related stuff, you check a few news articles, mm-hmm. you, you browse a little bit of Facebook. Right. How many websites would a typical person visit over yeah, like a three-month period. That's usually browsers keep track of about a three-month period right. of all your browsing sites. I don't know because I'm not scientific enough to be able to pull a large sample. So I just pulled my own. Your own. Just to kind of see over you the last went through your history. three months. This does not include stuff I look up at home. This okay. just is at work. Okay. So you are at work daily eight hours a day. Six hours. Yeah, eight a day. hours a day. And because uh, this show, yeah. typically we produce it four days yeah. a week, uh, that was a period of 48 work days. Okay. So over 48 work days, <laughs> how many sites did I look up in total? In total. Work and non work related. So while you're sitting at your computer, you looked up, I would bet we're talking upwards of 7,000. 7,000? 7,000 websites? Not different, but 7,000. Oh. Well, it's just that that would include, for instance, if you pulled up Gmail and then you pulled up Gmail again. Oh, so again. it's like oh, okay. 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 So not, not unique websites. I would but just say total. Over, yeah. How much would that be a day? You know, I bet you did 500 a day. 500? No, 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 no. That's 500 not. a day? No, no, no. I bet you did, I bet you did 100 a day. Like, so you think 100 a day, so that'd be. So well, just 40, like 4,800 would be your guess then. Yes, 4,800. And do you have a guess, Kenny? I'll go 
4801 Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to get you. <laughs> Actual retail price is... Ding! 20796 wow. That's cow. like That is almost 500 a day. Yeah, so if you break that out, that's <clears throat> 433 sites per workday. That's, but that's like you just – I mean, if you go to a newspaper, click on the story, there's two sites, third story, exactly. fourth story, fifth it, story. It snowballs very quickly. Yeah. And that also doesn't count. For instance, Gmail, you don't know if there's anything new in your inbox. You yeah. hit refresh. That would count as a, as a second site. So it adds up quickly, though. Yes, 20,000 websites. So if you take those 433 per workday and you figure it's an eight-hour workday – that comes to about 54 sites per hour. Wow. But between our pre-show and post-show meetings and being on air here with you, yeah. um, we might only spend three and a half, four hours at the desk, maybe four yeah. and a half hours. So if you recalculate those 433 websites into the actual time I'm sitting at my desk, it comes out to 96 websites per hour. Man, Now, your job might be more... You might be doing more than the average because you're looking for stories. You're looking for stuff, right? I'm not getting paid to be an AutoCAD all day no. or to be in QuickBooks Pro doing somebody's accounting. I'm actually getting paid to go out and find stuff. Right. So that is a that little is, bit different. Yeah. So you're How, a little messed up. But the emotions, yeah. the, the kind of ADD sense of wanting to get yeah. – you know, it's, it's, it's the modern and digital equivalent of being in elementary school and looking out the window. Oh, look, the guy's <laughs> cutting the grass. It's pretty birdie. Wow. <laughs> it, it, it's the same thing. So you're in a little cubicle. You don't have a window. So does it you, say you where can, you spend uh, your use the internet time? To, uh, yeah. So here we go. Here's a breakdown. Nine. It doesn't necessarily break it down by time, okay. but it breaks it down by number of – Visits. Visits. So some of these visits are very short. Right. In fact, my number one return was probably the shortest of all. It was Facebook. Facebook. I hit Facebook over three months 1,889 times. So that's 9% of all my website views. Oh, my heavens. But That is a lot. That means I need to market more on Facebook. Each time I hit Facebook, it's probably only for about four to six seconds because you look, you make sure there's nothing new, and then you move on to another website or, or yeah. back to your work. And what was interesting is I was at the tire store uh, getting uh, something done uh, was about two or three weeks ago. I walk up to the register in full view of being able to watch this guy's monitor. He starts to ch- cash me out. And in the middle of cashing me out, he hits the Facebook tab, checks his Facebook while I'm standing there waiting oh, to get cashed goodness. out for about four <laughs> seconds and then clicks back over to his cash tag. That does seem a bit compulsive. That seems yeah. a little bit messed up. But I feel a bit like the pot calling the kettle black when I pull this data and see 9% of all my views for Facebook. <laughs> okay, that's cool though. That's good data. Another 7% was Drudge Report. Little uh, research. Another 4% was our local Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, 2% for Gmail, 2% for uh, KSL TV, which yeah. is a really good uh, news source for uh, the Salt Lake City area. Then I'm finally down to BYU's intranet, where I'm actually doing work related stuff <laughs> at uh, 2% of 2% the time. 2% <laughs> of the time. <laughs> I Almost equally matched with real clear politics, but to be fair, last year was an election year. Yeah, um, and then YouTube. So anybody who says, "Oh, you producers are out there just surfing YouTube all day," not true. It's not true by number of page views. However, most people don't spend four seconds on YouTube. No, right. I think so it's a three-minute video. Right? It would yeah. it would be kind of fun to go back and figure out if there's a way to collect the data oh, of the actual time, time spent spend on each to pull it up. Google Maps. After that, there's a service we use. You called... spend a lot of time on Google Maps. Yeah. 
That is like your addiction. Are you like, are you well, like, you feel much more connected to a story when you, when you hear, for instance, that there is terrible um, devastation from sand coming on the shore in Rockaway Beach, New York. Yeah, it's fun to get it on Google Maps to really kind of get a, a yeah. I never a feel, do that. and so you can zoom in and you can kind of yeah, look at the neighborhood. No. And I would have just gone back to YouTube. Oh, that, watch, that, watch three yeah. more videos. But then, but then you don't you ever look at the landmarks in the YouTube video and you, you kind of see a street sign? And you Never. Go, oh, nope. I wonder where that's at. And then you go back to no. Google. See, that's you. <laughs> oh. That's just you being Robbie. Well, we all have our compulsions. But that's I interesting because that is a lot of that's great data. Like that's a lot of time on Facebook. I mean, not well, time. maybe not, not necessarily time. time though, because it was only three seconds per. But you you could see well, really three quickly times two thousand and a company That's trying to set a policy. Huh? I mean, let's say as you're listening in your car, or you're you're a boss and you have IT people who uh-huh. you supervise, and you hear this data and you go, "What? This guy on the radio said he spent ten percent of his web browsing on Facebook. I'm going to tell the IT people, IT people to ban Facebook." The truth is, the Facebook may not be that much of a time waster because if at four seconds a pop, right. That might only be I think that's amazing. a couple minutes a day. That's right. I think what's cool about that, too, is um, it's just the data. And I think this is the key. We're going to be bringing on Dr. Jill Manning, who's a licensed marriage and family therapist who specializes in research and clinical work related to some of these online addictions. And I think what we're going to do is um, we're going to bring her on. And we're going to have her help us try to figure out how on earth we uh when is too much too much when is it an addiction when do we need to start being very serious about our technology use when do we start slipping away that's what we're going to figure out with dr jill manning after this break you're listening to the matt townsend show right here on sirius xm 143 byu radio up to date with BYU Radio's programming by liking BYU Radio on Facebook. You can check our page for BYU sports updates and information on our entertainment programming. Like us on Facebook at BYU Radio. Talk about good. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The housing market is starting to recover even more ground as prices for previously owned homes are showing dramatic increases. On top of the price hike, a gauge of home builders' sentiment has reached a six-year high. In October, home sales were up 10.9 percent from a year ago and prices were up over 11 percent, meaning significantly more homes are being sold. And with fewer homes on the market, prices are finally getting the chance to climb back up nationwide. The new data released today is far more optimistic than many economists were expecting and may show that further economic recovery is taking hold. Black Friday at Walmart can be a frightening experience for the faint-hearted, and this year may be even rougher if plans for a strike are successful. The United Food and Commercial Workers Union has planned over 1,000 protests on and around one of the year's biggest shopping days for Walmart employees. However, the threat of picket lines on top of already endless Black Friday queues do not seem to be worrying Walmart CEO Charles Hawley. 
He says that the company is not aware of any protest or strike that would interrupt planned Black Friday events. His remarks further show the lack of success attempts to unionize workers at big box retailers have been. Three weeks after Hurricane Sandy, a New Jersey power company has finally restarted. A quarter of the plants knocked offline after the monster storm. According to a company spokesperson, well over 900 megawatts of power have been restored to the grid, which is good news considering that just one megawatt can power up to a thousand local homes. As more plants come online, New Jersey will no longer have to piggyback off other power suppliers in the region, which have picked up the slack, keeping residents' lights on while repairs are completed. Efforts to restore the supply of gasoline are also still underway after the storm, leaving New York residents to cope with continued rationing. Over a third of New York City's gas stations are still not operational. Residents have been allowed to fill up on alternating days based on the last digit of their license plates. EPA waivers of the clean gas laws have been have helped to restore some of the supply, but delays have both Governor Chris Christie of New Jersey and Andrew Cuomo of New York asking for extensions of the waivers, which are currently set to expire tomorrow, as normal supplies have still not been restored. You are listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show, brought to you by technology, on technology, and today we're talking technology. Well, it seems like we might badmouth technology, but don't tell the technology that. No, don't tell the technology that we're using to transmit this message. We like technology. We have it everywhere. In fact, at my house today, we're going to be moving data from one computer to another computer to another computer, and uh, we have laptops just strewn about our house. It's horrible. However... Apparently, you can become addicted to this stuff, and it can start to take over your relationships. So we're bringing on Dr. Jill Manning. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist who specializes in research and clinical work related to technology, and specifically pornography is where she spent a lot of her time researching. She has a master's degree from Loma Linda University and a Ph.D. from Brigham Young University. She is also a former social science fellow at the Heritage Foundation in Washington, D.C. She current, currently is practicing and, I think, researching in, um, in Colorado. And so we welcome Dr. Jill Manning on the show with us. Jill, are you there? It is. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thank you. And you also wrote a book entitled, What's the Big Deal About Pornography? Is that's, You wrote that as well, right? I did, for parents and teens. Well, I mean, are we just overreacting? Are we just a bunch of old people saying, these kids and their newfangled technology? Well, you know, I I listened to your introduction, and I'm glad you mentioned that technology is a great thing. It's powerful, and there's so many ways to take advantage of it, and and I'm certainly um, in favor of it. It it benefits my life every single day and makes so many things so much easier to do and to accomplish. But there is, there is a darker side to it as well, where it can get out of balance and it can cause problems for people when it's not being used in a way that enhances one's life. Yeah. Is, is there such a thing as, a tech, as an addiction to some of this technology? I mean, is that real you know, or are we just throwing another word that we like to use? Oh, you know, I, I have concerns with how the term addiction yeah. is used. I mean, there's a clinical term that's real. Yeah. Talk about that. 
Well, because an addiction, you know, for those who really are struggling with addictions, I think in some ways it um, makes light of how serious that is for people that have been really diagnosed and are struggling in in the thick of that. Um, Addictions are real. They are serious. um, and, And I think when we use that as a large net to cast on a whole bunch of different behaviors. We, we do everyone a disservice. Now, with that said, I do believe, um, even though there isn't a, a DSM-4 uh, classification for technology addiction, that we can certainly become compulsive with it yeah. and even neurotic with it. <laughs> you know, I was on a flight from Denver to Salt Lake City just a few weeks ago, and as soon as that flight attendant says, you can turn on your... Uh, devices now. Everyone. Yeah, it's like a mad rush. It's this mad rush. I mean, we're not even out of the plane yet, and it's this mad rush to turn everything on. And we've only been in the air an hour and 12 minutes. Isn't that crazy? It is. We can become really neurotic with this. Do you remember when we used to just go days not worrying about a letter? Not worrying about our email? I mean, we didn't have anything. We had a pacemaker. Well, I, that used to be the only technology you'd be able to sport around was your pacemaker. Well, that's right. And, and see, now we have 20, 24-7 access to oh. pretty much anything. And it's bred this whole mentality and culture, really, of instant everything. And we've become a people that really do not know how to wait for anything, really. Yeah. And um, it, it's, that, that's causing a whole spinoff of, of other other problems. Yeah, there used to be anticipation, right? I mean, you used to be able to, and and I think that was, you know, the marshmallow study at Stanford and all of those things that used to talk about your ability to delay gratification was a pretty good indicator of some of your other levels of success. Right. But we don't, I guess we don't have to do that anymore. We can just, you know, order it on Amazon and overnight it. Well, you know, I think this is such a terrific week to discuss this topic because Black Friday is coming up this yes. week. Yep. And you know, this whole topic of not being able to wait, we can't even wait for a Black Friday yeah. sale now. They're starting now. You know, it, just today I'm receiving emails. Black, yeah, pre-Black Black Friday. Friday sale starting now. Oh, that is so <laughs> messed up. I mean, really, right. we, we, yeah, we can't even get through the holiday. Just Let's just get through Thanksgiving. Well, no, let's start it in the, about 6 o'clock on Thanksgiving Eve. I mean, oh, that's right, crazy. Exactly. That's um, I, I've even noticed my neighbors are already starting turning on their their lights for Christmas, and I'm they don't know that in the neighborhood we've made a rule that you don't do that. But these are people that are jumping the gun. Well, I don't know your thoughts on this, but it just seems there's this larger pattern of us not being able to be present mm-hmm. and just enjoy and savor what's right in front of us or where we are right now. Right. And, um, you know, I hope we'll talk about this in a little while. Yeah. Favoring the moment, cherishing the moment, and especially, more importantly, cherishing people and and those opportunities to connect and to talk and discuss and and be with people in the the moment. This is a holiday to talk. This is a holiday to reconnect with people you haven't seen to hang out with your family and your friends and your in-laws. And it's a, it's a holiday for that, and yet I'm pretty sure my kids will all have some device in their hands. And unless we say something or make an effort to, you know, to take away some of the technology or to alter how they use it, they would just naturally probably be drawn to it. We all would. When you bring up an excellent point, you know, what kind of example and tone are we setting as adults 
in our families with media. Yeah. What do our children see? Are they seeing us zoned out and tuned in, um, you know, throughout a day? And, and how does that set them up to believe that, oh, you know, that's just how we do life? Yeah, this is how we do it. Yeah, right. Um, so is I, it, I hope we can talk more about that. Yeah, in fact, I really do. We're and, and I know in the the next break we'll be getting into some of like some of the ways that we can, as parents, some of the ideas that you've got about creating some tech-free zones and some fasts and things like that. Tell me, um, what else is this doing to us? I mean, I guess it's impacting our ability to not be able to communicate, maybe to not be present. How else does uh, you know this this tendency to constantly go to a technology instead of maybe relationship and deal with reality. How does that impact us mentally? Oh boy, that that is a big conversation. That's a, that's a really um, a loaded question because it has so many spinoffs. And you know, some of this is so new that it's going to take us time. We don't even know, really, do we? Yeah, there's a lot of this we don't know really how it's impacting us individually as families, marriages and as a society. Uh, just earlier this year in February, actually, there was a study released from the Booth Business School in Chicago. Mm. And what they found was that people had less self-control uh, related to social media and Twitter than they did with cigarettes and alcohol. You're kidding. That's right. That people had, um, they were tweeting and checking emails and, and having less self-control and resistance with that than they did resisting Cigarette smoking and alcohol. Isn't that? I guess we don't even, and we don't, we don't even think about that. But it, that's scary. And I mean, so to me, have, that's scary. It really is scary. And you know, when you think of, I mean, let's just talk about some really um, more obvious consequences of this. Anyone that's driving in a car at this very moment, listening to this, I don't know about you, but. It, I feel less safe yeah. in on the road these days with texting and, and cell phones and vehicles and everything that goes with that. We know from some studies recently that people are more 23 times more likely to get in accidents when they're texting and, and on phones wow. um, in a car. I mean, th- there's some real safety risks to yeah, this, yeah. how we are using media and technology. And the, the irony for me is that um, we... We buy and use many of these devices in the name of safety. Mm-hmm. Well, what if I have an emergency and I need to contact someone? And, and I certainly understand that. Yeah. But very often those devices are causing emergencies and, and problems. Taking lives, driving, we're driving off the road, we're not paying attention. I mean, it's, I think you're right. And, and, and it, the, almost the, the thing is we, we see them as so innocent. I mean, they're in our bedrooms, it's the first thing we're waking up to. It's the last thing you're going to bed with. I mean, it's the it's taking these roles that are so intimate. There, it's now in our lives so deeply, and we may not even see it as a potential threat. Well, and I, you know, really encourage people to reflect on some some questions here, such as: Are we really happier? Since these devices came to, into our lives, are we feeling like our relationships are better, richer, more meaningful? Are we more productive? Are we um, healthier? And in some cases, there are people that will say, yes, absolutely. Yeah. These have helped me be more productive and, and more connected, especially if you live long distance like I do from right. family. 
But in a lot of cases, some I think the bigger problem is that we're not thinking about it. We're not mindful of what is that sweet zone, if you will, where these devices and the, and and the power of media is helping and enhancing versus distracting and dulling and um, creating problems. But I just really encourage people to be mindful about it, to stop and sit back for a moment and ask themselves some questions. What is need, needful? What do I need? Right. Uh, what can I let go of? How many times a day do I really have to check my email? See, that's um, – honestly, because it's also a reactive event too, right? So it calls on us. So that little inter- – that little – it's not necessarily a choice that we're cognitively making. Sometimes it's just a reaction to that little vibration or that little ping. Right. And, and I don't know if it's um, – I don't know what the root of that is, yeah. Matt, if it's people are really lonely and or insecure, feeling like – or it's status. I don't know what it is that we have this neurotic need to, well, what if somebody emailed me in the last 20 minutes? Or, <laughs> what if I miss something? <laughs> what if I miss something? And uh, it it's just fuels, you know, this, this larger pattern. I was with a group of um, young men and young women last night, a group of teenagers, and we were talking about media in our lives. And mm-hmm. I asked a question that I think is really valuable for all of us to consider, and that is, I called it my CSI media question. <laughs> and if if the media you use and the amount of time that you use on devices every single day was the only thing that someone knew about you, what would they learn? What would it say? What would it reflect about your priorities, mm, that's about a great how question. you use time? What would it say? And would that media personality, if you will, mm-hmm. really reflect your top priorities and who you really are? And if it doesn't, why not? And what shifts or small changes would we have to make so that that media profile or media or technological footprint lines up with what matters most to us? Great question. What did they, what did they, what conclusions did they make, these teenagers? Well, you know, I asked it, I asked them to think about it. it we, we didn't open it up fully for discussion, mm-hmm. but it got people, um, oh, yeah. you know, I saw it in their eyes, really, well, nobody's ever asked me about that before. Yeah. I haven't thought of it before, but it, it's worthwhile asking because more and more we're talking about our digital footprint, our carbon footprint, and and I think it's a worthwhile question to reflect on. I love it. We just had our producer, Rob, you did, I don't know if you heard that, went through and did a little, a little evaluation of his internet history. And he found out that of all the places he visits the most, he found out exactly what percentage of his time or day or searches or not searches, but his percentage of his time on sites was on Facebook, what percentage was on other like news related sources. But you do learn a lot about who you are. And what if that's how you go down in history? Right. What if that's what they what, what if that's what they read at every funeral? They read your history. <laughs> Yikes! Let's not go there. Or go ahead. It doesn't need to be frightening. No, it could be the greatest thing in the world. If we really are doing this right, it could be a a terrific um, declaration of what mattered to us, what we were thinking about, who we were in touch with, what we said. But I think too many of us could cringe, or and I include myself in this. Yeah. When I answer that question, I think, oh, you know, there's. 
there's some changes that could be made here and, and I could spend more time here. Because don't all of us wish we had more time oh, to yeah. exercise or be with loved ones? Well, not exercise, but I wish I had more time to go save Twinkie and Hostess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pull them out of that spiral. Well, fight, yeah. Oh, man, Jill, you're great. So we're talking to Dr. Jill Manning, uh, an expert. Uh, she's a marriage and family therapist out of uh, Denver, Colorado. PhD, she just really gets it. She's done a lot of research on addiction, and um, today we're talking about internet or just technology, and are, are you addicted? And um, really, I guess better is, are you using the media and the and the tools of the media, all this technology, to really represent your values and your principles? We're going to take a break. We'll be back with more of Dr. Jill Manning. She's going to give us some tools, some ideas of how to create a tech-free zone in our lives, how to foster more balance. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A rover that eats and runs using bacteria power. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Imagine a tiny rover that doesn't use batteries or even solar cells for power, but one that lives off the land. Such a probe could run almost indefinitely, powered by a bacteriological fuel cell. And one is under development by the Naval Research Laboratory in cooperation with the NASA Innovative Advanced Concepts Program. NIAC is an effort of the NASA Chief Technologist's Office to find breakthrough concepts for the future of space exploration. The fuel cell project will try to get its electricity from the breakdown of sugars as bacteria consumes them. In theory, it could generate more power than lithium batteries of today, but it has to build up that power over time, operating in small bursts of energy. Locomotion for such power would be more like hopping than rolling. The experimental research will develop the circuitry and systems that could make future bacteria-powered micro-rovers run with incredible range. NASA is interested in adapting the technology for future planetary probes that could feed off local materials and never run out of fuel. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Do you want to hear all your favorite BYU Radio shows while you're on the go? Now you can. BYU Radio's free iPhone app places all the BYU Radio programming at your fingertips through your iPhone or iPod. Enjoy all your favorites at the touch of a button. Download your free iPhone app on the Apple Store now. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about technology and how to not lose yourself in it. Whether it's an addiction or not, that we're not sure of. But we do know that it's fairly easy to maybe lose your sense of who you are, your sense of what's important. And uh, nothing could be more true than the minute we started the show, uh, everybody here grabbed their phones and started going on their phones and, you know. 
and then poor Dr. Jill Manning and I have to sit here and hold down the fort. So uh, we're, we're joined by Dr. Jill Manning. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist. PhD. She's been a, a social science fellow at Heritage Foundation in Washington, D.C. She's written a book entitled What's the Big Deal About Pornography? She's also put together an audio CD entitled Let's Talk About the Elephant in the Room. And uh, she's uh, originally from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, but lives in Denver, Colorado with her husband and two daughters. Dr. Jill Manning, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming back. Did you, I'm sure during that break, did you, did you grab your phone and check your emails? I did not. I act, I listened listened to the show. Did you really? See, you're yes, present. You're taking I your did. own advice, Doctor Jill. <laughs> Good girl. Uh, so here's what we were ta- we've been talking about is it, it's problematic. How do we know when it really is starting to to not be so healthy? Technology. Well, it's different for each person. There's a real range of behaviors that can be included in what we call problematic media use. And that can range from every, anything from wasting time and being distracted at work, let's say, and not being as productive as mm-hmm. our employer would like, yeah. to really being compulsive about it, where we may be taking risks and not being safe um, with some of our media choices and how it impacts us and other people. Um, so, I, you know, some questions that I ask people typically is, you know, have you ever had a loved one or a close friend or employer uh, get after you or bring this up that, hey, you know, you just seem really distracted. I, I don't like how often you're on your phone or your computer, or could we please go on a vacation or a, a road trip right. without computer and everything coming with us? You know, if you've had people, you know, bring this up and it's been more than once, that may be a red flag that, hey, I may have to look at how I'm managing this or not managing it in my life. Right. Um, or, you know, do you have difficulty going for stretches of time without checking email or phone, and, and if so, how long? And, and what happens to you when do you get antsy or agitated, anxious? Um, yeah, do you, do you keep, yeah, because I've been vulnerable where I, I turn my phone over to somebody that needed it to take it because I use it when I do speeches, we record on it, and I didn't have my phone for like an hour, but I was driving, and I, ah, uh, what if I needed my phone? <laughs> right. and, I, and then I'm like, relax, dude, breathe through this. And then I just, you know, I figured out that we used to live a long time without all these phones. That's right. And then I think that one of the more important questions is, are we taking risks where we could even be doing, it, there's a potential for harm, hmm. maybe the, the risk of losing a job, the risk of not being safe in a vehicle, um, or putting someone else in harm's way because of we're zoned out and plugged into something, we're not hearing what's going on around us, or we're so focused on a text or an email or checking something that we're not aware of what a small child, for instance, is doing. I can't count the number of times I've been at playgrounds, because I have little ones in my life, where uh, just this summer I I, um, stopped a a two-year-old from falling off a major piece of playground equipment because his mother was uh, checking stuff on her smartphone. And, you know, things like that where it really, um, this can cause problems. Yeah. And we're, it's, we're not even aware. I mean, it, that mom wouldn't have, you know, I guess she would have found out. But she probably didn't even know what you saved her from. She didn't know. And, you know, to her credit, maybe she had an emergency going on in her life and she was checking her phone for something going on. Right, Who knows? Right. Um, you know, you We'd never know the full story, but I do think it's um, 
it's wise for us to step back and really ask, what, how am I man- managing this area of my life? How could this be improved? What would I need to stop or start doing in order for media to have its proper place in my life? And that proper place, Matt, that's going to look differently for, for yeah, different people. Absolutely. But, you know, the, the business person that's traveling, that's going to look different for him or her than the person that's working from home or, you know, the student in school. So I in no way am, am trying to pass value judgments on people that use media a lot and may need to. Right. Um, versus, but just for each of us to really be aware of how we are doing this individually and the impact it's having and... Are there ways we could improve? Love it. And and we're going to – I want you to get into maybe right now. We've only got a couple minutes, but can you give us a taste? What are some things we should be doing to kind of be a little more effective at, at managing our use of media, maybe cutting back a little bit? What are some things – and then we'll take a break. When, then when we come back, we'll spend a, a big, long chunk of time giving you other solutions and ideas. So what should we be doing, Jill, to make sure we're um, – we're really starting to engage and address the issue. Okay, well, there, there are a few things. And because it's Thanksgiving week, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, the first point I would make is that we need to have a, a sense of how fortunate we are to have access to what we do. Never before in the history of humankind have we had such quick and ready access to mountains of information. Oh, yeah. And so I think, to, you know, this week for us to reflect on how how grateful really we should be for what we have um, in the area of, of technology and what we have access to and, and the incredible media that is available for to uplift us and teach us and help us communicate and be a force for good in the world. Hmm. So that's the first thing yeah. in, in the spirit of things. Yeah, we don't want to make it sound like it's just all bad. I mean, we, there's not. really a lot that we are so fortunate to be to have at our fingertips. Well, it's an incredibly powerful tool. We and were, I think that's the draw. Yeah. And, and just like anything, it can get excessive. Anything good, if taken to an excess, can, can get into a different, It's so, you know, it's so it's true. Called, we were sitting you know. there. It was the weirdest thing. We were sitting in church, okay, having a, a nice little Sunday lesson. And somebody made a comment um, about a character on um, Napoleon Dynamite show um, – mm-hmm. I can't remember, but it was about the brother-in-law that's a cage fighter, or the brother that's a cage fighter. Anyway, somebody made a comment, and nobody remembered the guy's name. And right then, 10 young men, about 15, actually 18, 17 years old, pull out their phones, and they're all racing to go get this guy's name. And I think, holy cow, what if they were like racing to learn more about the Bible or racing to learn more about, I mean, really, the technology's ours to use if we can just use it. Right, and, and use it for good. Yeah, it's and, powerful. Um, and, and then that would be the second point, is to recognize its power. Its power for good, but also its power to cause problems for us and to be um, even a destructive force for us. Yeah. You know, you talk about pornography and, and that kind of thing. It really can be destructive. But, so I think recognizing its power and just um, I love that one. Let's do this. Okay. Jill, let's take a break. We'll, uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. On the other side, we are going to get into this. How to maybe put its power 
to good use, you know, like a good superhero should, and uh, how not to let it destroy us. We're talking to Dr. Jill Manning about the proper healthy use and, and media choices. We'll be back after this on The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. For those BYU radio programs you may have missed or even just want to hear again, subscribe to BYU Radio on YouTube. There you can find archived shows from programs like The Morning Show. Just search BYU Radio on YouTube and subscribe. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. After a weekend of negotiations, congressional leaders from both sides are feeling confident about a deal to avoid the fiscal cliff. The $600 billion in tax breaks and budget cuts that is set to begin at the start of next year is a legacy from previously failed budget talks that could easily stomp out the still meager economic recovery. Despite all of the talk of compromise to avoid this problem, both Republicans and Democrats are still trying to keep election promises to the public. Republicans who promised not to raise tax rates are now trying to find ways to close loopholes in order to generate the increased revenues that Democrats demand. Israeli warplanes bombed dozens of military targets in Gaza today as fighting continues to escalate in the region. Top officials say that Israel has ground troops ready to mount an all-out assault in order to stop further Palestinian rocket fire from Gaza. But they say a diplomatic solution would be better. Egyptian authorities are acting as the mediator between the longtime rivals, and they say a truce could be near, but both sides are still blaming each other for starting this new conflict. Israeli attacks have now accounted for 101 deaths in the Gaza region. Palestinian forces have continued to launch rockets into Israel, launching over 110 today alone, though no casualties have been reported due to the continued barrage. General David Petraeus has hired a top Washington lawyer in the wake of a career-ending affair to help him sort through the fallout. Robert Bartnett has worked with some of Capitol Hill's most prominent names, including President Barack Obama and one-time vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin. He will reportedly help Atreus with the exit from his role in government. The four-star general resigned his post as the director of the CIA after the FBI exposed him in the extramarital affair, which has also put a hold on a congressional investigation into what Petraeus' involvement was with the U.S. response to the attack on the Benghazi embassy. The U.S. International Trade Commission has announced a review of a judge's decision that Apple has not infringed on any Samsung patents. The two companies are bitter rivals in the electronics market. This case regards technology used by Apple to make the iPad, iPod, and iPhone. U.S. courts are not the only ones dealing with the two companies as they vie for market share. Legal battles over patents are underway in 10 countries as the mobile market continues to prove its continued profitability. You are listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. 
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, now, we've been talking technology today, and are you thinking about buying the newest gadget out there? Is it because someone else got it before you? Well, in that case, you might have what Bryce calls the tech inferiority complex. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce's right. We've all got our particular values. There's stuff that's critical, and then there's things that simply just aren't important to us. For some people, it's the size of their backyard, the thread count on your sheets, the number of people below you at work. But everybody has their thing. I've also noticed that there's one that seems a little more widespread than the others. Not sure exactly what to call it, but there's this very widespread feeling of tech envy. Story time, I got a new schnazzy phone a few months ago. My former phone had served me well, but it was beginning to show its age. Functionality was degrading and it was becoming a liability. I come home with the new phone, my buddy gives it a look over, hands it back to me, and then he said, I want one of those. Why? You have the latest, you have the, you have the last edition of this phone, and they're hardly different. Not to mention we're both casual users, we don't exactly make our phones jump through hoops day and night. But he was adamant. I tried really hard to explain to him that it would be a silly thing to do, since his phone wasn't even a year old, and he also has no money. But he had caught the disease, he had the tech inferiority complex, and there was nothing my logic could do to sway him. From what I can tell, it's like any other feeling similar to keeping up with the Joneses, but why exactly is it so widespread? Well, I think it's because we don't have any more tech-free zones. Think about it. If I were really into my shiny new car and I made it a point to tell people about it, it's sort of out of sight, out of mind. You don't constantly see my car, you don't sit in my car, and you certainly don't drive my car. You can just chalk it up to personal preference and forget about the conversation. Or let's say the acreage of your backyard is a big deal to you. When you talk about it, that's cool and all, but once the conversation is done, I'm really done caring about your backyard. You can't really bring these things everywhere with you. A few years ago, well, we didn't even have most of these gadgets, or in the very least a mobile version. Things like a computer, they stayed at home. Sure, there were laptops, but it took a while for those to be functional and not look like an ugly engineering experiment that broke loose from the lab. Phones certainly fall under this category as well. You see, now things are portable, functional, and dang, do they look pretty. And unlike a car or backyard, a lot of these gadgets sit at a price just beyond a justifiable expense. You won't be able to buy a new one every day, but every three months? Well, that's a whole other story. I would dare say that these things are specifically designed to scratch at my pride everywhere that I manage to go. And not to beat a dead horse, but it seems like there's a new iteration every other week. So not only are these new gadgets attractive to me, there's always a new one for someone to lord over me everywhere that I go. And it sometimes gets to me. My weakness is computer parts. Whenever someone starts talking about the computer that they're building, I start obsessively researching and shopping until I hit a wall realizing, oh wait, I can't afford this dream machine. Better scrap this idea. Then I always come back to it thinking, I can handle a little bankruptcy, right? So yeah, I could really use a tech-free zone, mostly as a space where my pride and bank account are safe from any reckless decisions I might decide to make. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Excellent job, Bryce Tobin. I didn't know you were so into parts of computers. I love them. I... I, I always noticed you watching my computer very closely. I always want to just, just take a screwdriver to it and just take it apart, <laughs> see what's in it. See if well, I can take I'm it. I'm glad you haven't. Well, I haven't yet. So uh, have you been listening to the show or have you been in there on your tech? I have been listening. I have. Okay. Well, we're talking to Dr. Jill Manning. And Dr. Jill Manning is going to now instruct us in how to get a tech-free zone, which apparently you need to learn. Dr. Manning, you're with us? I sure am. Did you hear that little bit that he did? I did. I thought it was excellent. Isn't he good? 
Brilliant. He he always asks me uh, how big my backyard is for some reason, which I guess it's because that's another big thing he's into. <laughs> I don't understand it, but I always answer three acres. Um, anyway, Jill Manning's with us. She is a PhD clinical or a family marriage and family therapist who really understands the impact media has on us, and and she's going to teach us now how we go about trying to build a healthier media life. Jill, what, where do we begin? How do we make a tech-free zone? What should we be doing? You've asked some great kind of reflective questions as we've, as we've been going through today. Well, and, you know, this, isn't, this is really quite simple. You're creating a tech-free zone in our, in our life, um, there's not a lot to instruct, really. Um, a couple of things. One, I would say for people to to do an inventory of their priorities. What really matters to you, and does your media use line up with that? Does your media use and technology in your home or work or school, does it line up and help you be more productive and enjoy those things that matter most to you? That's a great question. Like a, a little inventory. You know, if you jot down, you know, these five or these seven or these ten things matter most, and then reflect on and do an inventory of how you use media and technology and do they line up that might be a great question parents can ask like maybe take a during dinner they can ask their kids look i learned this thing on sirius radio today what was the question exactly that they that you think they should ask what are the things that are most important to us and does do those things get reflected in how we use our time, including how, we, how much time and, and what kind of media we use. And, you know, and then the other thing is just identifying, is there a time in the day or week for some families that really matters to you or that you would like to have matter more? Hmm. For example, dinner time. Yeah. More and more families are not enjoying a meal together. And so in our home, that's really important. So in our home, that's a time we call, you know, that's a tech-free zone. There's no TV. There's no radio. There are, the phones are turned off, put away. Um, and we just really enjoy that time, time to discuss, time to, I love to cook, time to just enjoy food and, and discuss travel plans or things we're looking forward to in the year. I cherish that time, and I know many other people do, too. And so maybe that may not be the time for your family that you wish to have right. be a tech-free zone. Maybe it's another time. Maybe it's on Sunday or, or Saturday morning having breakfast together or going for a bike ride. Whatever it may be, it really doesn't matter. But that we have some time in our life where peace and quiet and connection can be fostered. Because I really fear that many of our younger people don't know the value of peace and quiet their rooms, their schools, their homes, their cars, everything is inundated with messages and, and, and uh, agendas and imagery and sound. But really helping by showing the way and being an example of this, that there is value for peace and quiet. And I think this week especially, Matt, it's so valuable for, for parents especially to consider all of this because we're starting the time of year where people buy more electronics than any other time of the year. Right. There's the biggest sales, biggest promotions. We're just going to get blasted in the next month and a half of buy, 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 and this is why you need the latest and biggest and brightest and fastest, this, that, and the other when it comes to technology and electronics. 
You know, currently in the United States, the average young person owns 3.5 mobile devices. Oh, my heavens. And that, young yeah, people, I've totally believed that. In, yeah, in a, in a study just released in, uh, by the American Associ- Association of Pediatrics just this last year said that on average, children in the United States spend just slightly more than seven hours a day uh. involved in some sort of media. So the reason why I mention that is as we get into the holiday buying season and we think, oh, my child would love this, or oh, our family really needs one of those, yeah. I would invite people to really ask, okay, again, what are our priorities? What are the values we want to foster? What do we want our children to learn? And is that gadget really necessary to move those goals forward? Or maybe the board game may be a better alternative. Now, I know that there's probably some executive listening somewhere that is Yeah, don't mention that, right. Just cringing at what I'm saying. <laughs> but really, we, we just have such an abundance of this. Right. And I do think there's place for considering um, how we could have moments and times carved out in our days and weeks and year where there's quiet and there's connection and we just spend time together, playing together, talking together, eating together, without those interruptions, oh, yeah. without that barrage of, of ringtones and all the rest. Well, it's interesting. I had, a, I had a woman I was talking to that's a grandmother, and she has a little um, basket at her front door. So when the kids and the parents and everybody come over to visit grandma, she has a really beautiful basket that's got a nice uh, like towel or some really cozy little place. And she has everybody put their phone and technology <laughs> device in the basket. So you have that's to check great. it in. It's like a coat check. But she, <laughs> when you walk into grandma's house, your phone goes in the basket, period. And you don't that's go back great. to the basket till you're walking out. And she, she's pretty much demanding it. Like, hey, I love you all and everything, but... I don't have a lot of time. She kind of guilts him. I don't have a lot of time left on this earth. So if you love me, put your phone in my little basket and come spend some time with grandma. So as a grandparent, even grandparents could be sticking their nose in a little bit and just saying, hey, can we just have some time here? Right. It might be interesting because it seems like maybe grandparents are the ones that could uniquely teach us this. Because they could tell us about their childhood. I mean, there's a lot of great conversations that could go on there that we're missing because we just aren't trying, I guess. Well, this is a combined effort, I'm convinced. You know, I, being a, a, a mom of, of little ones myself, I know how much work goes into packing kids up and dressing them up to go out, you know, to the park or to an outing of some sort. And so often, we had a membership pass to the zoo this last year, the Denver Zoo. Oh, wow. And most times when I was there, I just was stunned at how many parents have taken the same amount of work I have to get little ones there, and they're with their kids at the zoo, but they're on their phones the oh. whole time. And, you know, so you think if we're going to put in that effort to be somewhere, be there. If you're going to do something fun with your kids, be with them. Really take those moments and be with them. I, I just salute that grandma for what she's done yeah. at the basket. Well, sure, and she offends everybody. But it doesn't, hey, I mean, I really. Want... But be there. Why else are we here, right? Right. You've, you paid your admission to the zoo. <laughs> Go to the zoo. It's so be true. with your kids at the zoo. And, and I think that's just a great metaphor for all sorts of things, 
you know, going on in our lives. Yeah. If, if we're going to put in that effort and set the stage for some of these things to happen, be there, savor it, enjoy it. I love the idea, too, that you have of, um, of, of rituals. Families need traditions and rituals. And so you could almost take some of these kind of uh, tech-free zones and make it such a wonderful routine or a wonderful ritual that the kids don't even know they're missing their phone. They don't. Even, I mean, it could be so fulfilling. Like if I sit with my kids and we play a game, I have a girl and five boys. So the minute we, it doesn't matter what we do, as long as we bring one ball, we've got a game. And so if I sit my kids in the living room and we just start throwing a ball around, every kid will eventually appear and the technology has got to go away or they're going to get hit by a ball. Right. And, and so once we start playing, it can be so fulfilling that they'll naturally be drawn to the more uh, engaged, maybe the more important thing and, and overlooks maybe the le- less important thing as well. Right. Now, on the flip side, in all fairness, because I'm sure there are listeners, Matt, that have a favorite video game or something related to technology that they do as a family. Yeah. And that there is a place for, you know, I mean, one of our favorite things to do is to watch a movie with popcorn, hot chocolate, and sit down all together, cozy up with our big blankets, and, and it's. It's really fun. But that's not an everyday thing. Yeah, right. That's something we enjoy once in a while as a special family treat. And so there is a time and place, for sure, for some of our traditions and rituals to incorporate media. But it's, it's, we need to make sure it's not excessive, yeah. that we are teaching and modeling how to think and be and, and have time to ponder and study and just enjoy quiet. Because as you know, we know you and I know yeah. um, that's so necessary to get answers and ideas and, and creativity in our lives to go in the directions that we need to go. And I, I think you're right too. What you said earlier that we I don't know that we know the ramifications of this. Like, what are the ramifications of a child that doesn't know peace and quiet? You know, what are the ramifications of a person that can't be present in their own life? This is going to, this is, there's going to have to be a check. There's going to have to be a bill paid here. Somewhere there's going to be a bill to pay. Um, and, and so I guess part of it is let's start anticipating the need right now and and, and maybe as parents step up and, and we really have to model it, don't we? We can't just hope that our kids are going to want it. We just have to maybe model healthier behavior. Oh, definitely. Model it and also engage them in it with us. You know, that we have those quiet moments together uh, where th- everything else is shut off. Yeah. You know, that when we're reading with our family, reading a good book or getting into a, a novel together or just telling a story together, that if the phone rings, no, it's okay. This is our time. Yeah. We, oh, yeah. we place a priority on that time. Um, you know, and, and another point that we haven't discussed yet is, is that of integrity. Do we show integrity in our media use, in our media selections, in our profiles, in what we share and pass on and what we write or text? Is that person who we really are? Or do we live a double life in right. media? Isn't that true, though? Because I and, mean, and, and that's the neat thing about having a Facebook profile is you can be anything you want to be. Mm-hmm. You can be a superhero riding a unicorn into the sunset. But it doesn't make it true, does it, Jill? Well, no, and we we just have this whole world 
um, this virtual world that I fear we don't have enough discussion about what virtual citizenship entails and what our responsibilities are in the virtual world, how we be um, examples and, and leaders and, and um, be ourselves in that virtual world and, and teach our children how to do that. So often, again, I was with a, a youth group a year and a half ago, and we had a, a discussion about integrity online. And so many of them had never thought of that before. Now, I don't believe for a minute that their parents had not taught them right. to treat people well and to be kind and, and not be rude. I, you know, those things have happened, but so often our young people haven't had that really broken down and translated for them as to how it applies online or on an online video game or um, in what they write and say. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it is. I think you're right. In fact, we're going to have to have you back, Jill, because that is a great topic. Just kind of our community responsibility or our responsibility to the Internet community, to the technologies that we're using. What What is our responsibility? And, and maybe those are... Those are conversations that I guess, too, we should be having in these moments where we're just starting to ask these more profound questions with our family. Oh, well, I would love to be back anytime. We will, for sure. I I so appreciate you, Jill, because you're, you really, there's a realistic side here, and you're not like trying to be preachy, and you're not trying to demean it and just say it's not important. Technology's powerful, but it's, we should still be the masters of it, right? We shouldn't, we just can't let it take over. It should help our lives. It shouldn't be burdensome or cause stress in our lives. Yeah. And, and I say that chuckling, thinking of how often my computer causes me stress and I want to just throw it out the window. Yeah. Um, you know, it's great when it's, everything's working, yeah. everything's updated. It's a lot easier, um, isn't it? But it, it really does. It, it creates a new type of stress yeah. in, in this new era that uh, it, we need to factor in and... and work with that in ways that it doesn't get out of control and and we keep everything in check in a a healthy place. That's right. Dr. Jill Manning, so appreciate you. Again, Dr. Manning is the author of the book entitled What's the Big Deal About Pornography? and also of an audio CD entitled Let's Talk About the Elephant in the Room. Go check those out. She, uh, She really knows her stuff. Dr. Jill Manning, appreciate you joining us. We'll be back to wrap up the show right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. BYU Radio's Highway 89 features unedited performances from talented musicians. With genres from rock to classical and everything in between, Highway 89 can take you on a musical journey, all from the performance studio at the heart of BYU Radio. Join us for this mixtape adventure with Highway 89, Monday through Saturday at 10 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We've been talking about technology, its power for good and evil, right? And um, really, we're in charge of this. We don't have to let it get away, but uh, Dr. Manning was making some great points when you think about all these presents you're going to buy and the impact you're going to have or allow technology to have in your life. 
please make sure you're thinking ahead. We're now going to do a little technology quiz as we wrap up the show. Our producer, Rob, has put together a few questions to see if we are really that into technology. Well, and they're not even my questions. I'm just stealing them. Okay. Thanks to technology. Right? boy. So there's this term when it comes to – among Internet geeks, the people who yes. actually build the websites have okay. this terminology out there yes. called Web 2.0. Heard of mm. it? No. And it's a big deal among web developers apparently. I'm, I'm just learning about it too. So according to the philosophy of Web 2.0, which you have never heard of never before, heard of. do you believe that it involves A, sacrificing web user security, B, democratizing the internet, hmm. or C, making the internet really boring? B. That's correct. It democratizes yes, the web. Yes, of course. So about five years ago, that was kind of the idea as they thought, um, why don't we open up the internet to where – Everybody can contribute. You know, think yeah. about Wikipedia. You know, where anybody can do it. So then, what was the nature of Web 1.0? Was it A. Static websites that don't change, hmm. B. Interactive websites, or no. C. Social networking for Web 1.0? Huh. I would say B. Static sites that people would just go. Well, to. that that was actually A, but that's I mean, correct. A. Yes. <laughs> So if you think this about easy. what the internet was like uh, 15 years ago, <laughs> yeah. you go to Encarta's of official encyclopedia uh, website, and it was right. like a poster that yeah. you would look at. Now today, it's all just it's morphing into social democratization of the web. So now that I just gave that example, <laughs> what's an example of a web 1.0 website? Is it A... An online bookstore that lets customers post reviews. I'm going to say Encarta. <laughs> B, a social networking site that lets users share photos and make public comments. Or C, an official online encyclopedia. Matt's jumping the gun. I'm going to say C. Correct. This is the easiest quiz I've taken today. And it's the most nerdy that we've had in a long time. <laughs> What's that saying about you, Matt? I don't know. I'm just happy Skyboy's hitting the bell. Because most online encyclopedias, it says, are not like wikis. They do not allow web-generated content, but in a Web 2.0 world, Aren't we all we just can. friends in the world here? Can't we all just add to the discussion? We'd better if we're going to get anywhere. That's what the two point, Web 2.0 is all about. We've all got a voice. Okay, let's all shut up and listen to Rob. Go, Rob. If you think about the web as being a creature, it has arms and legs and... Octopus. Know. Is that what, the question? What <laughs> service would you consider the backbone of the World Wide Web? Is it hmm. Uniform Resource Locator, URL, which is the address you put in? Okay. Hypertext Markup Language, which is HTML. Okay. Or C, Hypertext Transfer Protocol, HTTP. HTTP. Correct. M-O-U-S-E. Yes. This is easy. HTTP mouse? So it's either a URL, an HTML, or an HTTP. So final question. What is the difference between HTTP, the backbone of the Internet, and HTML? Is it A, HTML describes what's on the page, HTTP allows sites to communicate with each other? Hmm. Is it B, the other way around, or C, there's no difference, they mean the same thing? Go see. Go see. Do see. If I do see and it's wrong, that means I've that means this is over. 
and I could not be perfect. I'm going to go with C. Wrong! Yes! Man! B! B! So, HTTP, (sighs) the part of the address you put in, is the backbone of the Internet. It allows websites to talk to each other. At the end of the address, where it's .html, is actually the text you see on the page. Hmm. And that is the nerdiest quiz we've ever had. Nerdy quiz is over. Technology is over. Okay, can I just say I prefer Dr. Jill Manning (laughs) over your quiz, even though I nailed it. You do know you have to work with us. Oh, sorry, everybody. (laughs) Uh, Good stuff. Remember, Dr. Uh, Jill Manning had some great questions. Do a little CSI on your kids. Again, a great thing to think about is if people just went and saw what you were looking up on your history, what would it say about you? What would it say about your values? And are you spending the time on the sites, the places in technology that really reflect your values? Please go out. Teach your children this, your grandchildren. Let's start getting our hands wrapped around the Internet. Uh, Instead of letting it take over our lives, let's make sure we use it as a source for good. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow with more great ideas to help you and your world. Thanks for joining us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, all right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.